Hey, everybody. I want to talk to you for a second here about Canva, specifically Canva presentations that are designed for every workplace and every department. Whether you work in sales, marketing, HR, ops, and more, Canva presentations can generate any deck you want for work. Sales decks, marketing presentations, onboarding plans, you name it. Any department can save time on any presentation. So start designing today at Canva.com. Design for work. Just go to Canva, C-A-N-V-A dot com. Hey, if you haven't heard of Visible, well, now you have. They're the wireless carrier that's making wireless visible. It's in the name. Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon as low as $25 a month every month, taxes and fees included. Use promo code STUFF. 20 to receive $20 off your first month for listening to this podcast. Switch now at Visible.com. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. The Visible monthly rate is $25 per month. Hey, everybody. It's us, Josh and Chuck. And we just wanted to say that if you have very strong religious beliefs, I don't know, you may want to skip this one. Yeah. You know, we talk about Satanism in this episode and what seems like glowing terms. But um, for my part, at least, I was just trying to have a little fun with it. Uh, so I hope that comes across. Yeah, we have an intellectual conversation about Satanism. How about that? All right, agreed. All right, well, on to the show, Chuck. Welcome to Stuff You Should Know from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Josh Clark. Seated directly across from me is one Charles W. Wayne Charles Chuckers Chuck. Bryant. That's pretty good. Oh, yells above himself. Yep. And there is um, Old Scratch to my right. Matt. Matt, do you let people know your last name? Oh, yeah, you're a personality. Matt Frederick. <laughs> Why don't I want him to get kidnapped? Guest producer Matt Frederick of the old days, uh, co-host of Stuff They Don't Want You to Know, mm-hmm. and now supervising producer for podcasts. Whoa. Man, we don't let our producers talk on our episodes, <laughs> so we're going to have to beep that out. Uh, Matt says that was a huge announcement you just said. Yeah. Nice. Well, congrats, Matt. And Matt's been working here forever just like us. Nice. Lovely wife. Yep. Lovely child. Yes. Great family. Loves Indian food. I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's his bread and butter, as it were. It's his ghee and naan. Now he's afraid to talk, which he should be. That's good. <laughs> anyway, uh, Matt's here. Yeah. So thank you, Matt, and hail Satan. I was going to say hail Satan. Hail Satan, Chuck. Hail Satan, Josh. <laughs> it's funny. I went from, uh, in, when reading this, to thinking Satanists are you know, just libertarians. Yeah. To... No, Satanists are kind of Republicans. (laughs) And I don't mean that. You'll see what I mean. Okay. Philosophically in some ways. I don't mean, you know. And then I thought, well, I'm a Satanist. Okay. (laughs) Did you, did you have an awakening? I mean, I read some of the stuff in the, their FAQ on their website and some of their fundamentals and their, Mm -hmm. their, their 11 rules of earth and their nine satanic statements. We'll read all that stuff. Yeah. I thought, well, geez, I agree with a lot of this stuff. There are 13 things to avoid getting gouged at the grocery store. What Satanists are not, almost assuredly, are not uh, uh, evil people who meet in dark uh, churches to perform ritual blood sacrifice and eat hearts 
and and draw pentagrams on each. Well, they may draw pentagrams. On <laughs> yeah, that that part's actually true. <laughs> but uh, there's there's more things that Satanists are not. I think if you're coming to this blind, um, without knowing anything, you'll probably be surprised about just how kind of groovy they are. And this is the Church of Satan. Yeah, that I'm talking about mainly. Uh, no, I think you can you can apply what you just said to all Satanists. Yeah, true. Because if you're a Satanist, you would take umbrage at the idea that somebody who actually believes in the supernatural entity, Satan, mm-hmm. is not a Satanist. Right. Because Satanism, by definition, at least modern Satanism, by definition, is an atheistic philosophy. So there's yeah. no supernatural entities of any kind to Satanists. So somebody who worships Satan would be a devil worshiper, which right. is a completely different kind of thing. Yeah. And the, I didn't even finish the last thing. Oh, that sorry. I thought, well, no, I mean, I got off track. The last thing I thought when I was reading about the temple of Satan mm-hmm. is that these are just liberal hippies. Temple of Satan, uh, Such the, a sa- range. the satanic temple. <laughs> yeah. Satanic temple. They are, they are, um, I saw them compared to or analogized as a dark yes men. Remember, you know, the yes men? No. Oh, you got to check out the Yes Men. There, there's a couple of Yes Men documentaries, and they basically do this, but it's not satanically associated. Okay. And I wonder why it was satanically associated. I'm like, sounds like you're a bunch of liberal hippie scientists to me. Well, we'll get into all that. Okay. Okay. So we're talking Satanists and Satanism, if you couldn't tell, because we have been saying Satan a lot. Um, and if, like Chuck said, um, you're coming into this blind, let us illuminate for you. <laughs> Let us bring the light to yes. your eyes. And we both uh, grew goatees for this episode. Yeah, exactly. Specifically, and shaved our heads. And horns. John and Strickland actually could do a... Uh, oh, man. Sort of an amateur uh, Anton LaVey if he wanted to. He could. I'm sure he does at home, if you know what I mean. <laughs> All right. So let's go back. And this is a Grabster article, so you know it's got the goods. Um, and talk a little bit about the origin story of Satan, which... Um, we will lead up to sort of what the modern version of that is. But if you're thinking red guy with a pitchfork and pointy hooves, right. It's, uh, tries to lure, uh, people away from God to do bad things. Mm-hmm. That kind of came around later. So we need to go back further to the Hebrew Bible, mm-hmm. which, uh, the Christian old Testament is derived from. Right. And there's a lot of uncertainty on what Satan actually meant, depending on how you want to translate the Hebrew term. Right. And the reason there's uncertainty is because Satan wasn't a figure in early Judaism because, uh, the early Jews believed that all God was all things. God was good. God was evil. God was responsible for everything in the universe. There wasn't what we understand now or anybody who thinks of the Judeo Christian ethic now. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, uh, there wasn't dualism, which is, there's good and the bad. There's light and the dark. Mm-hmm. And they, they, they equal each other out. In early Judaism, this didn't exist. It was all in one. So there was no need for Satan, right? But as this concept of an all benevolent, loving God spread, this question arose, which was, well, wait a minute. If God is just so benevolent and, and loving, why does he, why does he or she, um, let bad things happen? Mm-hmm. And so, the, the need for the concept of Satan emerged later on. And because of uh, the um, early Judaism's proximity to 
uh, Persia, which was ruling the, the, the land at the time at about like the sixth to third centuries BCE. Um, Persia had Zoroastrianism, which had dualism. So mm-hmm. they kind of introduced, uh, the Hebrew faith to dualism and hence Satan was originally born. Yeah. So there's no like consensus when you look at these old texts, what these translations mean. Uh, sometimes it is an adversary mm-hmm. or an opponent to God. Sometimes it's not. Sometimes it's, uh, he's like the, uh, the, uh, an attorney and, heaven's legal system right throwing the book at people like um al pacino (laughs) oh yeah quite literally what didn't he play the devil or did he as a lawyer right what what was devil's advocate right with keanu i don't think i ever saw that i didn't either okay but i mean we were both alive at the time so we know (laughs) yeah uh there uh you know you look at all these different forms of what the word meant back then before it became the modern version we all know. And the one kind of common thread through all of them, though, is that Satan was an outsider who was sort of uh, against the man and these established values that everyone else seemed to believe in. Right, or established rules, or just even the establishment in general. Yes. He's the antithesis of that. Correct. Uh, you get into the Christian New Testament, and it starts to clear up a bit Um where there is a single being called Satan who is supernatural and it's uh, a direct opposition to God and is usually used as a, as a tool God uses as a, in the Bible, at least as a test, like go down there and test these humans. Go get that guy to see if, uh, see, see which way their allegiance uh, lay. Right. Um, that Satan's called the scriptural Satan or Satan of the scriptures, right? Yeah. Um, he also kind of comes out of nowhere in the new Testament to tempt Jesus in the desert, I believe. Um, and I mean, you know all this, right? Yeah. Am I right? It was in the desert. Well, yeah. And I think, uh, by the way, just to back up to that last episode when uh, stuttering, when I didn't hear the story about Moses in the Bible with a coal in his mouth or whatever, uh-huh. everyone wrote in and was like, it's not in the Bible. Don't feel bad. Oh, good. It was from something else. Right. It was from the Disney movie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, uh, but in one of the Gospels in the New Testament, um, and no need to write in to let us know, but it's in one of the Gospels in the New Testament that uh, Satan appears to Jesus to try to tempt him. And he's kind of brought in almost like he's a character that everybody should know. But if you're just reading the New Testament from beginning to end, you're like, what? Who's this guy? Yeah. But they apparently another gospel makes mention that Satan was the serpent in the Garden of Eden. So he's a big tempter. He's He's bent on corrupting man and getting man to stray from God's flock, basically. Yeah. And there are these, uh, there are certain demons that are named properly in the Bible, um, like Beelzebub and uh, Belial. Um, And again, it's just sort of conjecture on our part, whether or not that's referring to Satan or whether it's a generic evil. Mm -hmm. Um, It's just sort of difficult to, what it wasn't was, the devil with the horns and the pitchfork that we all think about. No, and those earliest names for the devil, like Beelzebub, are actually corruptions or alterations of competing religions' gods, right? Yeah. So uh, early Christianity and, um, I guess, middle Judaism had this kind of tendency to take other religions' gods and make them the evil characters in their religions. Because they wanted... Christianity to flourish. 
Right, exactly. They wanted to to make the competition look bad as a way to do it. It was a smear tactic and a campaign to get converts, right? Right. So Beelzebub is actually a corruption of uh, Bilal Zavuv, which is, or no, I'm sorry, Bilal Zavul. Bilal the ex- or Baal the Exalted. I think if you say that one more time, he will appear. Here <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> um, and Baal, B-A apostrophe A-L, was the main deity of the Canaanites and the Phoenicians mm-hmm. who were competing with the early Christians at the time. And um, if you say Baal Zavuv, that means Lord of the Flies, not Lord the Exalted. <laughs> so it was like a, it was a slam on their, the main, their competition's main god. And that's where Beelzebub came from. And that's actually, that will become a common play in the Christian playbook of smearing the other guy's gods by making them, um, evil figures yeah. in Christian, uh, mythology. Klaatu, Dorata, Beelzebub. <laughs> Remember there was a Dead Milkman album called Beelzebubba? Yes. And it had like that guy on a tractor on the cover. That was Beelzebubba. Yeah. <laughs> um well the same with Lucifer and uh when we finally got the English language King James Bible in 1611, Lucifer was really a Latin term for morning star, but in that version of the Bible they say no, what that really is is the name of Satan. Right, and he was the light bringer, the one who would reveal the truth to people that they were actually being held down by God. Yeah. Which is not the Christian way. Right. So what you were saying by co-opting all these or not co-opting, but well, kind of co-opting these bad religions, another band. Um, (laughs) (laughs) That's actually a real band name. Yeah, correct. Yeah. Uh, These bad religions and saying those are the bad ones. uh, They would, that's how like the devil that we know today, the Satan, sorry, that we know today Mm -hmm. has taken shape. Uh, because they, uh, like the Greek god Pan had the cloven hooves and the horns. Yeah. Uh, Bacchus, the Roman god, is where you get this insatiable, um, Bacchanalian decadence, mm-hmm. um, which as we'll see with the Church of Satan, um, isn't too far off. They, they certainly love their orgies. Sure. And their trays of fine meats and roasted meats and cheeses. Jugs of wine. <laughs> um, so in the Middle Ages and the Renaissance, then this, this mythology, Christian mythology is expanded. You get a couple of books that were very key into shaping who we think of today as Satan. Right. Uh, one was, uh, John Milton's epic poem, Paradise Lost. And then of course, Dante's Divine Comedy. Um, this is where we got the idea that, uh, Satan was an angel expelled from heaven because of his pride, mm-hmm. uh, who then uh, said, and I will defeat the Lord. <laughs> These are actually from two books written by dudes. Yeah, a lot of the mythology about Satan that Christians understand as Satan, and that just people in the culture generally understand as Satan, don't show up anywhere in the actual Bible, right. Old Testament or New Testament. All that stuff came afterwards. Mm-hmm. So, Chuck, the the Enlightenment was another turning point then. Big time. For the conception of Satan. And this is his evolution as like a, a scary, supernatural, otherworldly figure, um, takes a, a different turn because the Enlightenment was based on rational thought. Yeah. Secular humanism finds its roots in the Enlightenment. And, um, they started to come to see Satan as a kind of a creative force almost. Yeah. 
a, a foil to the establishment. This idea that Satan is um, the opposite of the established norms and customs and, and moral goods. Yeah. Um, and uh, that he's kind of like a handy archetype for that. So he stops. He loses some of his supernatural. Um, Jewish. Yes. <laughs> and is replaced by metaphorical zhuzh. Yeah. And I think that's that seems to be the one that the Church of Satan sort of identified with a little more. Was it Satan was just a just a free thinking dude? Yeah. Apparently, that's where they got that. That's where it finds its roots is yeah. the Enlightenment. Very interesting. Which makes sense because most Satanists would be probably humanists, secular yeah. humanists. Um Although they're individualists, but you could make a case that that's an individual humanism. Yeah. Um, and that's, you know, that comes out of the Enlightenment as well. So um, you want to take a break and then keep going or you want to keep going? No, let's take a break and we'll talk a little bit about uh, witches right after this. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast from Ruby Studio in partnership with Intel. Explore the future of technology that's rapidly evolving our world today with the help of AI. There's still so much work and research needed to fully understand the power and potential of AI, and Intel is at the forefront of implementing AI and revolutionary technology that's changing the world we live in for the better. In each episode, Graham interviews the minds transforming medicine and healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more, while pioneering new uses for AI in these spaces. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. We are the voice of NASCAR. The green flag is in the air, and we are underway. The great American race. The Motor Racing Network. NASCAR Cup, Xfinity, and Craftsman Truck Series Racing. Live on your hometown radio station and MRN or NASCAR.com. Martinsville, Talladega, the Chicago Street Course. We have the side-by-side action, and last lap passes for the win. Photo finishes. Ryan Blaney will win. The voice of NASCAR, the Motor Racing Network. So I promised talk of witches. Um, we did it in the, geez, that was a long time ago. We did an episode on witchcraft. Yeah. Um, many, many years ago. Yeah. And if you were a witch or a Western esoteric, you were probably one of two groups of people to be accused of worshiping Satan in the Middle Ages. And the Renaissance, um, basically anything, anything in opposition to organized Christianity was Satan worship. Right. And that's the same thing as, as saying your God, your creator deity yeah. is, is like Satan in our religion. It's the same thing. Anything that's in opposition to yeah. Christian thought is automatically heretic, heretical. And the, the kind of almost like the lazy shorthand way of describing it is it's satanic. Yeah. You know, Satan, he's scary and evil, right? Uh-huh. Well, what these people think is satanic. Yeah. And if you listen to the episode on witchcraft, um, and we haven't, I know stuff you miss in history class did a, a good episode on, uh, what really happened in Salem. 
which we'll probably cover that at some point, I mm-hmm. imagine. But I think everyone pretty much knows at this point, uh, about 60,000 people, mainly women, were put to death in the American colonies in Europe. And um, under the guise of being Satan worshipers and witches and practicing witchery, and by all accounts, they generally were, you know, that I don't like the way that lady looked at me in the town today. Or, you know what, she, uh, I think she stole milk from my cow. Or I want her land. Or I want her land, or um, my wife is jealous of her. Right. Um, so they're all witches. Let's burn them. Let's throw them in lakes and see if they float. Um, and let's burn them. Because if they don't float, then they're not witches, but they drown. And and uh, early physicians had more than just a small hand in this as well. They, um, in accusing, especially like folk healers and midwives of yeah. being witches, again, to basically force the competition out. Yeah. Are we, what, what did we talk about that one in? That seemed more recent. Um, I can't remember. Maybe grave robbing? I think did so. we talk about that in grave robbing? Feels like it. It does. There were also things called esoteric orders. Uh, which were, I don't even know what you would call that today. Basically kind of any group that didn't mm-hmm. subscribe to mainstream Christianity. So like the Masons or the Illuminati today? Yeah. Uh, yeah. And like they, they were Christian at base. Gnostics. But then they had like, yeah, they had this other occult ideas in addition to it, right? So like the Cathars or Cathars are a good example of that. They were in, I think like the 12th to 14th century France and they were like Christian plus, right? right? They were, they, the Cathars means like the pure ones. Mm-hmm. Um, they were so Christian that they felt like just being a normal pious Christian wasn't enough. And you actually had to be baptized again. It was basically like a born again Christian process. Yeah. But in again, like 12th, 13th century France. They were considered heretics and they were persecuted. You could call them an esoteric order because it didn't follow prescribed Christianity, Orthodox establishment Christianity mm-hmm. to a T. It either was lacking some or had extra. And then you're, you're a heretic and hence Satanist. An esoteric order believed in Dan Brown books, basically. <laughs> yeah. That, the, that all that stuff is true. All the yeah. stuff he writes about is about like esoteric orders. Well, and here's the thing though. They were all labeled as Satanists, but the, by there's, there's no evidence whatsoever that any of them were satanic in like in truth. Yeah. You know, well, I was reading about one, the Luciferians. They yeah, actually, they may have been, they may have been <laughs> although their concept of Satan wasn't that he was evil. Their concept was that he was the one true deity and that he had been tricked into being kicked out of heaven unfairly by a treacherous Jehovah. Oh, interesting. And that um, it was actually Lucifer who was supposed to be in charge uh-huh. and that Jehovah was oppressing everybody. So if that's true, then yes, as far as the church goes, that is as satanic as you can possibly get in your beliefs. Yeah. Because they were in total opposition to the church in their beliefs as well. But that's, I mean, for the most part, most of these other groups were not in any way, shape or form satanic as, as you would think of it today. Well, yeah. And Ed even points out in here, the grabster that, that, that there's, there's no evidence in world history that there's ever been any long-term organized group of people that worship Satan as some evil entity. Right. That's a huge one. Because that's that's one of the ways that Christianity was able to smear mm-hmm. its rivals 
by by suggesting that they were part of a huge massive cult satanic cult yeah and i mean like if if there's a supernatural entity that's bent on getting you and making your life terrible and there's actually people on earth who are following this person it's going to make you stay to the straight and narrow of your prescribed religion even more oh, yeah yeah right firing brimstone and whatnot yes i grew up with that you know yeah i was I, th- I can't remember which show. I think it was during Satanic Panic. We talked about the Devil Worship House mm-hmm. in Stone Mountain. That mm-hmm. it was the scariest place I had ever driven past <laughs> on the way to Steak and Ale. <laughs> right. Man, I miss Steak and Ale. Are they done? They're, they're surely they're around, right? There's probably like one in Vegas and one in Hong Kong or something <laughs> weird like that. It'd be funny if the one on the Hong Kong was like this retro throwback themed American thing, you know? Yeah. <laughs> It's like America in the 80s. Right. Um, all right. Well, let's talk about Anton LaVey then. Let's. The time has come. Oh, wait. I want to I wanted to say one more thing. Okay. Um, so in the, I think the 14th century, the Knights Templar, another esoteric order, yeah, yeah. but a military order, were accused of worshiping Baphomet. And Baphomet oh, yeah. another name. is Satan at, with like the goat's head and horns. Yeah. Um, that's the great looking statue they tried to put up in Oklahoma. Right. Well, Baphomet is most likely an alteration or a mistranslation or something of Muhammad. Mm-hmm. And that it was used to basically include Muhammad right. as, uh, Satan in the Christian ethos when the Christians first encountered Muslims during the Crusades. Yeah. So it was like the same thing, but a thousand years after they did it to Beelzebub. They did it to Muhammad. And we should do like a 10-parter on the Crusades. Yeah, we should. Starting now. <laughs> Just tried to think if I, could, I would be up for that. Yeah, I don't know. I don't think so. Um, all right. Can we invite Anton LaVey in? Yes, now he can come in. The ghost of Anton LaVey? It is Jonathan Strickland. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so this dude, he was born. He is the founder of the Church of Satan, if you did not know that. Um Look up a picture of him. You've probably seen him before. Bald head, goatee. Look at that guy. Uh, you know what does bug me about all Satanists is if you just look up photos of prominent ones or uh-huh. meetings, they're always doing these faces. Yeah. yeah like you never, I mean, actually, ironically, the only one I've ever seen smile in a picture is the current high priestess, uh, whose name is Peggy, which I think is adorable. Sure. <laughs> there she's, this is cute old lady. Yeah. And not even that old, but you know, yeah. she's, she's like, a, oh, really? Old lady, huh? Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, she smiles in photos, but every other picture are like, you know, their eyes are big and they're frowning or they're licking their teeth or something. Yeah. Just, come on. I was on the Church of Satan website yesterday and um, I saw a picture of some Satanists all smiling. Oh, yeah. But it was because Anton LaVey had a naked woman over his knee and was thanking <laughs> her. So they do smile in some pictures. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, that makes sense. Uh, so LeVay was born, uh, Howard, <laughs> uh, Howard LeVay, Howard Stanton LeVay in 1930 in Chicago. Right. And, um, the more I read about him and his early years, supposed early years, hmm. the more he sounded like L. Ron Hubbard. Uh, yeah, kinda. Because, um, L. Ron Hubbard and Anton LeVay both, if you ask them about their backgrounds, they'll tell you one thing. Right. If you ask, Someone Their else, mothers? who like Lawrence Wright, who does research, right. they say, I really can't find any evidence of this stuff that they claim. Yeah, I mean, if there was anyone who subscribed to lying 
just as much as you possibly could as a form of showmanship. Nah. Anton LaVey was definitely that guy. Yeah, so he says that uh, he had a very colorful upbringing. He worked at a circus. He was uh, worked at sideshows. He was a police photographer, which may have been true. Uh, he was a very talented organist who worked burlesque shows. Um, if you ask other people who have done research, they say, no, he kind of was this suburban kid in suburban San Francisco. Uh-huh. Not super interesting. Um, one thing that everyone will say, though, is that he was interested in the occult. He was interested in uh, pulp horror novels and like, magazines. Like Lovecraft? Love Lovecraft. And he was interested in, uh, he was very much turned off by the the double standards, what he perceived to be the double standards of mainstream Christianity. Right. Because uh, supposedly he would uh, play in these burlesque shows and see all these men there. Then the next day, see them in the churches. Mm-hmm. And that had a real impact on him, supposedly, that he was just like, this is BS. Yeah, he didn't like phonies. Didn't like phonies. Phonies drove him crazy. Him and Holden Caulfield. <laughs> right. Uh, so this, in um, the 1960s, and this is kind of like with L. Ron Hubbard again, he started, uh, LeVay started hosting these lectures on paranormal, and he had a lot of uh, flair. And everyone was like, man, who is this guy? He's really got something. He's kind of cool. And he talks about things like <laughs> indulging in all the worldly things. You shouldn't feel bad about it. You should masturbate and have sex and have sex with tons of people at once if you want. And just do whatever pleases you. It's fine. Don't worry about it. Sure. And so people in the 60s were like, there was a time in the late 60s where he was, there's this great article in the Telegraph when when he seduced, when Satanism seduced Hollywood or something uh-huh. like that. Yeah. Where it was sort of the thing to be a Satanist and to go to these parties mm. because you would go in and, and there would be drugs and drink and nakedness. It's like eyes wide shut up in there. Right. And everyone from like some of the Beach Boys to Sammy Davis Jr. to Liberace. Liberace was a Satanist? He said he was for a while. I didn't know that. Uh, Sammy Davis Jr. definitely was. He even yeah. had a TV pilot. Uh, that he tried to get made about like a sitcom that was Satan friendly. <laughs> that he like worked for the devil or something. We've got to find that. <laughs> we have to find that. It was script. supposed to be really bad, and he and they only made one of them. But um. Oh, so there is. So it's out there somewhere. Well, uh, supposedly he made a pilot that never went beyond that. Gotcha. Jane Mansfield was another famous Satanist. Yeah, so it was a big thing, and Charles Manson kind of ruined all that. Oh yeah. As far Manson as Manson ruined a lot as of far stuff. As it being uh, cool. Yeah. To go to the Church of Satan. But at any rate, LeVay was making waves and in 1966 created officially the Church of Satan. And in 1969, uh, published the Satanic Bible. Right. Which is uh, pretty interesting to read through. Yeah. I haven't read it all, but I read quite a bit of passages. So one of the things that he's accused of is, um, plagiarism. Yeah, for sure. And his, uh, his adherents still to this day, they kind of, acknowledge it a little bit but they more put it like no he was building on an earlier work yeah he didn't really give credit to but Uh there was a book um so he wrote the satanic bible in 69 published in 1969 yeah um there was a book published in 1890 i think it was um called might is right and it was written pseudonymously by um a guy named ragnar redbeard (laughs) <laughs> and Ragnar Redbeard wrote this book and it was extremely um into social Darwinism. Uh-huh. It was um 
individualistic to the point of being anarchistic. Mm-hmm. Uh, it had all of the requisite 1890s racism and sexism uh, attendant to it as well. Sure. But um, the point of it was, is like, like, why would you, you know, love your enemies? This whole doctrine of love is BS. We're animals. And if you have an enemy, you should go out and beat him up because yeah. he's your enemy. You don't need to love him. You need to love yourself. And um, it was really just a, a surprising book that apparently still a lot of people read today. Um, and apparently Anton LaVey read it and like it. adopted a lot of it. Yeah. But then he also wrote a lot about ritual and yeah. stuff as well and prescribed certain kinds of rituals in the Satanic Bible. And supposedly the the three main types of rituals of greater magic, there's greater magic and lesser magic. Mm-hmm. But in the greater magic um, rituals, there is uh, compassion. Yep. There's, uh, and that's not just for others, but also yourself. Mm-hmm. There's lust. Yeah. And then there is um, de- uh, destruction. Yes. And all of them are meant as, they're meant for you. Yeah. The person doing this, they're meant for you. They're meant as it what was called the intellectual decompression chamber, where you can just get rid of this baggage that you've got. Mm-hmm. And they're like, it's it's nothing more than this little psychodrama that you're performing for yourself to just make yourself feel better. Yeah, like lust is to release your sexual urges. Like they'll say Christianity teaches you to repress all that stuff. That ain't that ain't no good for you. Right. You need to go release uh these urges. Yeah, um, you're walking around with all this stuff that's like hanging on you. Like get rid of it so you can go be happy and stop dwelling on this. It's stuff. the same with destruction, cleansing oneself of anger towards someone has done you an injustice like why sit on that right deal with it you're sitting there stewing about it smash the face (laughs) go put on your velvet robe well no no that was that was but that was that's a that's something that satanism has long been accused of is like being violent toward others and i don't think that they say like no don't be violent toward others um they even say like you don't certainly don't owe anybody being nice to him or anything like that yeah but um there, there seems to be kind of a, uh, I haven't seen any overt calls to violence. It just seems to be like, uh, if, if that's what you deem is right, as long as you're following these other prescribed paths that seem to kind of avoid violence, that it's more just yeah. like you, it's, it's centered on you and sure. you need to focus on yourself. And if you focus on yourself, then you're probably going to stop wanting to smash that other guy in the face. Because you're going to get rid of that baggage. Can I read the 11 satanic rules of the earth? Please. Number one, do not give opinions or advice unless you are asked. Okay. Not bad. Yeah. Number two, do not tell your troubles to others unless you are sure they want to hear them. Yeah, that's that's not bad. (laughs) Uh, Number three, when in another's lair, (laughs) show him respect or else do not go there. Yeah. Respect someone's home. Uh, Number four, if a guest in your lair annoys you, treat him cruelly and without mercy. (laughs) Uh, Number five, do not make sexual advances unless you are given the mating signal. That's sort of. That's a 60s way of saying I'm down with affirmative consent. Uh, Do not take that which does not belong to you unless it is a burden to the other person and he cries out to be relieved. Okay. Like, you know, don't rob people of stuff. Relieve me of this glass of Diet Coke. I can't (laughs) stop drinking it. Number seven, acknowledge the power of magic if you have employed it successfully to obtain your desires. If you deny the power of magic, 
After having called upon it with success, you will lose all you have obtained. That's a little fruity. I didn't even hear that full when I trailed off yeah. so long. Number eight, do not complain about anything to which you need not subject yourself. And finally. Yeah, that's a good. I think that one bears repeating. Oh, wait. I say finally. That's only number eight. Oh, you want me to repeat that? Please. Do not complain about anything to which you need not subject yourself. Yes. Number nine, do not harm little children. Well, you should probably repeat that one, too. Do not harm little children because yeah. that's a big deal. There are all these people that think like, you know, you uh, you you sacrifice children and you uh, perform sex with children. Mm-hmm. And that's what Satanists do. And they're like, no, 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 no. We're not into that at all. No. And one of the things the Satanic Temple, who we'll talk about in a little while, point out is that um, there have been a lot of cases of um, people who are supposedly exercising demons from children. Right. Who have actually harmed and in fact killed children. Yes. And that there's no, do- I think we talked about this in the satanic panic episode too. There's no documented cases of satanists harming children. Right. Cause they're against it. And in fact, they won't even accept, uh, anyone under the age of 18 into the church of Satan. Yeah. Because self consent is extremely important to satanists of all stripes. The idea of being forced into, indoctrinated yeah. into any church before you're, you can make a decision for yourself really goes against the idea of individual liberty mm-hmm. and thus sa- satanic thought. Number 10, do not kill non-human animals. <laughs> Cause like you said, they called humans animals too. Yeah. In fact, they said that we're not much better even than animals. No. Uh, Which is not, an animal reminder. It is. Uh, do not kill non-human animals unless you are attacked or for your food. Like if a cheetah pounces on you? Kill it. Yeah. If you want to eat the cheetah? Kill it. Uh, and then finally, drum roll, 11 satanic rules of the earth. When walking into open territory, bother no one. If someone bothers you, ask him to stop. If he does not stop, destroy him. <laughs> nice. Sounds like a tenacious D lyric. <laughs> it does, but the way you, you counted down, it was like a Letterman list. I know. I like that. That was good, man. I miss Dave. I wonder how many um longtime listeners we've lost with this episode. I don't know. <laughs> uh you want to take another break? Yeah, I mean there's still so much more, but we got a break at some point. Yeah, we're gonna take a break. <laughs> When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast from Ruby Studio in partnership with Intel. Explore the future of technology that's rapidly evolving our world today with the help of AI. There's still so much work and research needed to fully understand the power and potential of AI, and Intel is at the forefront of implementing AI and revolutionary technology that's changing the world we live in for the better. In each episode, Graham interviews the minds transforming medicine and healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more, while pioneering new uses for AI in these spaces. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast, 
on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. We are the voice of NASCAR. The green flag is in the air, and we are underway. The great American race. The Motor Racing Network. NASCAR Cup, Xfinity, and Craftsman Truck Series Racing. Live on your hometown radio station and MRN or NASCAR.com. Martinsville, Talladega, the Chicago Street Course. We have the side-by-side action, and last lap passes for the win. Photo finishes, Ryan Blaney will win. The voice of NASCAR, the Motor Racing Network. All right, Chuck, we're back with Satan. Remember the kids in the hall? Oh, yeah. Kevin McDonald, I think, was Satan. Uh, was that him? Yeah. Yeah. That's good stuff. Uh, so we've been talking a little bit about the philosophies of the Church of Satan. Um, uh, just real quickly, there are nine satanic sins. And again, I hate to say it, but this is sort of appealing to my brain. The nine satanic sins are stupidity, pretentiousness, solipsism, self-deceit, herd conformity, lack of perspective, forgetfulness, forgetfulness of past orthodoxies, counterproductive pride, and lack of aesthetics. A lot of those <laughs> are really, really tough to explain. Uh-huh. Well, I don't uh, think so. Anton LaVey. Well, some of them are pretty self-evident, but um, forgetfulness of past orthodoxies. LaVey wrote this list in 1987, and it's on the Church of Satan website if you're interested. Go check it out. Because mm-hmm. it's some of you are like, oh, yeah, it kind of makes sense. 87? 67. 87, I saw. Oh, really? Well, it was copyrighted in 1987. So the takeaway is <laughs> that what LaVey what the Church of Satan and Levian Satanism, right? What it really is is atheistic, anti-Christian uh, ideals. Well, that is something that you you said that is really important. The Church of Satan, specifically, the one founded by Anton Levay, yes, is has positioned itself as counter to Christianity. It really does not like Christianity, right? Um. And as a result, it's allowed itself to kind of be drawn into a lot of pedanticness and arguments that it shouldn't. And it almost seems like they feel the need to justify themselves because yeah. of putting themselves in that position. Um, so if that kind of turns you off, well, then, friends, you're going to love the Satanic Temple. Yeah. And if if you were interested in that, you can become a member of the Church of Satan by sending $200 to a P.O. box. Right. That you can find on their website. But you get a membership card and that's it. <laughs> that's all you get. Yeah. And there's, there's actually a lot of criticism among Satanists of the Church of Satan. Oh yeah. Because, um, you know, they, they haven't done anything for a really long time. And a lot of people give credit to LaVey for founding the Church of Satan and mm-hmm. that while he was alive, the church was thriving. But after he died, the church kind of died with him in the eyes of a lot of Satanists, especially Satanic temple adherents that I've seen. Yeah, uh, it's now headed by, uh, Peter Gilmore, who I think, I think John Hodgman is actually sort of a pal of his now. I believe that. I have to say it showed a lot of restraint by Peter Gilmore not to change his name to Peter Grimmore. <laughs> uh, and then as I mentioned earlier, uh, Peggy Nadramia is the high priestess right now. Yeah. Um, but I agree. Uh, moving on to the Satanic Temple. It's pretty fun because uh, they have something out there called the Satanic Children's Big Book of Activities. Mm-hmm. 
I think it was given to me by, by Matt Frederick. It was given to me by someone, but it's called the Satanic Children's Big Book of Activities. Uh, and it's wonderful. We talked about that for sure on Internet Roundup. Yeah. For sure. And um, that was just like one in a string of, I don't want to say countless, because if I bothered to, I could count them. But <laughs> there was there's like a string of basically political, satanic based political um, projects mm-hmm. that the satanic temple has taken on that really kind of define who they are. Right. They yes. are part performance art very much political activists mm-hmm. and are trying to basically use, they say that they, they're using Satanism, although they all subscribe to philosophical, atheistic, human secularism, Satanism. Minus the social Darwinism. Right. And the Ayn Rand libertarianism. Yes. Um, that they're, they're using Satanism though in the popular conception as a poison pill mm-hmm. for the church versus state debate, right? Yeah. And you can also buy shirts and hoodies and coffee mugs. So with this, they use this poison pill, these, these list of projects. One of them was the satanic children's activity book, mm-hmm. which they printed up to distribute at schools. Uh, I think there was a school in Florida where Christian evangelists were handing out pamphlets at a public school. Yeah. So the Satanists said, Oh, well, great. Well, if they can do it, then any religion can do it because the first amendment prohibits the establishment of any religion or endorsement of religion by the by the government so we can go do it too so they start handing out satanic stuff and anytime the satanists roll into town and say us too that usually means that the local city council or the state even Mm -hmm. puts an end to the implicit christian endorsement of yeah that's going on like sanctioned christian endorsement via politics yep um and by the way, when I say that that children's workbook is wonderful, and if you're out there going, oh, why would you say that? Like, go check it out. It's literally stories about kids being more accepting of others and being friendly and sharing. And it's like any children's book, but the kids are wearing like pentagram T-shirts and right. stuff. Yeah. Uh, which makes me wonder, like, what about this? Why call themselves that? It seems like they just are. I know they're trying to rabble rouse and get attention, but I think they might get a little further if. Or maybe that's the whole point. Uh, I think, well, in part, using it as the, like, if you, this actually happened. There's a, a, a town in Arizona. I'm not sure which one, but they had a habit of opening their city council mm-hmm. meetings with a Christian prayer. Right. Well, um, most likely, every single person in that town that the city council represents is not Christian. Right. Um. But since it was, there was a, uh, there was some, uh, landmark court ruling. I can't remember when, maybe 2014, um, where the Supreme Court said, uh, no, it's actually okay as long as they don't prohibit any religions from doing this. Right. The Satanist showed up and said, well, here come the Satanists. We're going to give a benediction to open up your city council meeting. Mm-hmm. And the city council said, okay, nobody's going to do prayers anymore. <laughs> well, that's kind of what their job is. Right. To shut it down. But if they, if they just did it like, well, the secular humanists are here and we're going to say a prayer, they'd be like, well, who cares? That's fine. But the people who are so afraid of Satanists are so afraid of Satanists mm-hmm. that they are, um, they're, they're, they would just, they would rather stop the city council implicitly endorsing mm-hmm. the Christian prayer than to allow the satanic prayer as well. That's how it works. Yeah. And it's the same with the statue in Oklahoma. Yeah. 
He said, oh, well, you're going to put up your statue or we're going to put up one of, uh, what's it called? Baphomet. Baphomet, which again, I know you've seen the statue. We both love it just because it's so cool looking. Mm -hmm. Looks like the cover of some great, uh, heavy metal album. It does, but it's like nine feet tall. Yeah. The two kids looking (laughs) up adoringly at him. And Chuck, the satanic temple has another thing going on right now too. A new initiative that they started. Right. Which is the after school Satan club. <laughs> and again, I have to laugh. It just sounds funny. Uh, but what it is, it's an after school curriculum, um, to teach reasoning and social skills to mm-hmm. kids. Yeah. Uh, basis. And, and again, as a counter to something called the good news club, which is an evangelical Christian after school program. So again, they're right. saying, you got yours. We'll have ours. Yeah. And there's another 2001 Supreme Court ruling that said, you know what? Sure. We can have religious after school programs. And the, um, they just, the floodgates opened and the, the Lucian Greaves, whose name is Doug Mesner. He's one of the founders of the Satanic Temple. Mm-hmm. He says, we're doing this because the Good News Club is creating a need for it. If they weren't, if they were just doing this in churches rather than public schools, we wouldn't have our after school Satan club, but they are. So we are. Yeah. Uh, here's a quote. While the Good News Club focuses on indoctrination, instilling children with the fear of hell and God's wrath, after school Satan clubs will focus on free inquiry and rationalism. We prefer to give children an appreciation of the natural wonders surrounding them, not a fear of an everlasting otherworldly horror. Right. <laughs> uh, however, being a member of the Satanic Temple or the Church of Satan is not to say that you uh can just be very much out with it these days uh, a lot of those folks even if they are uh, really just secular humanist atheists at heart they do want to associate with the satanic temple or church of satan they a lot of times will still keep it quiet keep it a secret because um you will get uh people don't get what it's about and they will think well again they people still believe that they you know have blood sacrifice and you know, sacrifice animals and eat the hearts out of goats and things like that. Right. And, and there have been people in history um, who have killed in the name of Satan. Sure. And that's who people point to and say, see, see, Satanists are killers. And it's like, no, that person was out of their mind. Yeah. They were mentally ill. Or they were pretending to be mentally ill so that yeah. they would get a lighter sentence. And that's what they were doing, that they weren't actual Satanists. Again, a, a true Satanist will point out that um, Satanists are atheists. Right. That they see Satan as a construct, as a, a metaphor, a shorthand for something that goes against the norms, that questions the establishment and says, how do you know what you're saying is right is right? Who says? Yeah. And, and we don't even worship Satan per se. We really, if you want to say anything, worship ourselves. Right. As individual gods. Peter Gilmore calls it atheism. Oh, that's catchy. Isn't it? The lowercase I. He's like, yes, Gilmore, you genius. <laughs> What did you say his name should have been? Grimmore. Grimmore. <laughs> or Kilmore. Um, yeah, Richard Ramirez, David Berkowitz, son of Sam, talked about demons. Um, Ricky Casso, uh, famously in the 70s, was an American teen who uh, killed someone in the name of Satan. And uh, much to Angus Young's chagrin, was hauled into court with his ACDC t-shirt on. Right. Uh, we're not going to get too much into this because you can go listen to our great episode on the satanic panic of the 80s from january 5th 2016 but um in short it was a it was a time where people like ozzy osbourne and judas priest were 
making use of satanic imagery purely for gags and selling records. Uh, none of it was, I mean, today there are some legit creepy dark metal bands that yeah. are very much more overt with their lyrics and things. But I think <laughs> Ozzy Osbourne has definitely been outed sure. as, you know, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah. not uh, some Satan worshiping ghoul. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Anyone who's ever seen him on television can tell you that. Yeah. And, and I mean, it, it, it bears fleshing out there. There are like supposedly the goth scene in um, Germany in particular is where um, neo-Nazism and neo-paganism kind of come together. Yeah. A lot of people point to that as some sort of neo-Satanism. But again, if you're talking about Satanism with a capital S as an atheistic philosophy and somebody murdering in the name of Satan, Holds about as much water as somebody murdering in the name of the Easter Bunny. You got anything else? Yeah, just let me quote with a uh, finish with a, a passage from the Satanic Bible on love. Uh, Satanism has been thought of as being synonymous with cruelty and brutality. This is only so because people are afraid to face the truth, and the truth is that human beings are not all benign or all loving. Just because the Satanist admits he is capable of both love and hate, he is considered hateful. On the contrary, because he is able to give vent to his hatred through ritualized expression, he is far more capable of love, the deepest kind of love. By honestly recognizing and admitting to both the hate and the love he feels, there is no confusing one emotion with the other. Without being able to experience one of these emotions, you cannot fully experience the other. Wow. Either Dr. Seuss or Anton LaVey. Yeah. <laughs> That's Zoroastrian dualism if I've ever heard it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, if you want to know more about Satanism, well, go look up this article. It's a Grabster article um, on HowStuffWorks.com. And uh, since I said Grabster, it's time for listener mail. Uh, hello, Chuck and hello, Chuck Bryant and Josh Clark. Hello. Very formal. Uh, this is on stuttering. I've stuttered for most of my life. I say uh, most of my life because it started when I was five. Uh, as you mentioned in your show, there are several uh, several different ways it can happen. I would always try to think of a different word to use when I got stuck, and that would result in very strange-sounding sentences. I would define stuttering as inability to coordinate breath flow with words. Blocking on a word or sound would often result in a cessation of breathing entirely. Uh, kind people often tell me that stuttering does not bother them, but the fact is, when I stutter, my internal reaction is that I feel and sound like a fool. Irrationally, yeah. I know that is not true, uh, but that is what I often feel nonetheless. And of course, unkind people... Uh, abound and i often uh, heard as a child reactions like don't you know what you want from other kids and adults laughter and derision uh, often i'd hear just sing it and while it's true that singing and speaking are operated by different parts of the brain life is not a musical and besides i hate musicals <laughs> so at the age of 67 i would never have thought that i'd end up talking on the phone and dealing with the public for a living i still occasionally stutter and sometimes feel pretty badly but i've learned to just live with it Sometimes feel as I get older, I just don't give a darn anymore. That allows me to relax and stutter less. That is a perk of aging. Sure. Not caring. Yeah. <laughs> uh, stress brings it out and does, uh, as does talking about my difficult and bizarre childhood. I'm a singer. I'm one of the resident shanty singers at the National Maritime Historical Park at Hyde Street Pier in San Francisco. Nice. And have performed in front of large audiences. Singing is not a problem, but introducing songs can be. You might say I'm the Mel Tillis traditional song <laughs> and that lovely email 
was from Richard Adrian Owitz. Thank you, Richard. I love that one. Yeah, good one. Nice. And everybody who's in San Francisco, down to go down to Fisherman's Wharf and see Richard. Yeah, check out the show. Uh, the Mel Tillis of Shanty Singing. <laughs> I love it. Uh, if you want to get in touch with us, you can hang out with us on Twitter at SYSK Podcast or Josh M. Clark. You can hang out with Chuck at Charles W. Chuck Bryant on Facebook.com or at uh, Stuff You Should Know. Um, you can send us an email to stuffpodcast at howstuffworks.com. And as always, join us at our home on the web, stuffyoushouldknow.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit howstuffworks.com. Hey, if you haven't heard of Visible, well, now you have. They're the wireless carrier that's making wireless visible. It's in the name. Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon as low as $25 a month every month, taxes and fees included. Use promo code STUFF. 20 to receive $20 off your first month for listening to this podcast. Switch now at Visible.com. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. The Visible monthly rate is $25 per month. Ready, set, griddle this grilling season. Get the Weber Slate rust-resistant griddle. With a carbon steel cooktop that's safe for metal tools, it's pre-seasoned and ready to cook on right out of the box. It's the griddle that stays ready, not rusty. This griddle heats evenly edge to edge. It reaches up to 500 degrees, and the Weber Works Prep Cook and Store System keeps cooking supplies handy. You can carry all the food, condiments, and utensils you need. So get fired up for your new Weber Slate rust-resistant griddle.